We are officially in the last week of new money. I thought I'd get a bit more energy than that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think this is, this is eight, eight weeks, I believe, of teaching on new money. <clears throat> Forgive me, guys. My voice is kind of gone, but we thank God. Amen. Um, so we wanted to do Q&A, and then I've got a short word at the end that in midweek I will um, tie up. So, um, for your sorry, you can be my Mac person. We want to open the floor <clears throat> for any questions, specifically as well in the area of wisdom or favor that we've been talking about for the last three weeks. If anyone has anything that they would like to ask, um, bring. Thank you, AJ. Um, yes, Hillary. Um, I've so I was wondering this last week and the week before where you were doing part one and part two of wisdom and favor. Yeah. What's the difference between favor that comes out of like favor that's like you've worked for it, like it's it's merited versus God's unmerited favor? What's the difference between those two? Okay. That's a good question, amen. We're going to uh, I mean, you're going over to grace and stuff now. I'll say, based on the context of what I was talking about, so I spoke about the context was Joseph, amen? And the context was also Jesus. So um, if I break it down in the simplest ABC, what I would say is that, guys, all of you here are already favored, amen? The issue really is, do we walk in alignment with that favor? And that alignment looks like wisdom. That wisdom looks like obedience. Why do I say that? Um, Jesus says that um, if you hear my words and you do them, you'll be like a wise man who what built a house. Solomon said that wisdom builds a house. Um, the result of seeing the favor of God will always be after you using the wisdom he gave to you. So this favor that I'm talking about that's evident in you actually experiencing it will always be at the result of what you practice, which is wisdom, hopefully. Does that make sense? So when you're talking about unmerited favor, you're talking about grace, which is a whole different um, word to what the Bible talks about in favor. As you guys know, the Bible is written in Hebrew, Greek, and make it other languages so sometimes the English language is very limited to ex expressing words so it uses the same words for two complete different things that makes sense was that good enough guys everyone everyone clear awesome there's no dumb question guys amen so any other more questions okay um, yeah I wanted to ask yeah how that word is I guess do you do you plan based off of what God has given you, or do you plan based off of what you're believing God to give you? Like, yeah. Is it based on what you're believing for, or is it based off of what you actually have? And I guess kind of follow up. Is it, huh. is it to, without faith, if you're only planning on what he's already given you, without, I guess, considering everything else that he can do for you in the future? 
<laughs> you know, you're deep questions, fam. <laughs> you know, are working me today. <laughs> so basically, your question is, um, do we plan on what we're believing God to do, or do we plan on what? <laughs> Amen. Do we plan on what God's already giving you? So, I'm going to start with the scripture first, and I'm going to answer it in my perspective. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. It says in NSB version, The plans of the heart of man belongs to a person, but the answer is of the tongue. Sorry, but the answer of the tongue is on let me start again, sorry guys. The plans of the heart belong to a person. That's you and me. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Passion says, go ahead and make all the plans you want. But it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. Let's go down to two verses um, lower in verse 3. It says, commit your work to the Lord. And your plans, not God's, your plans will be established. You see, this word plans in the Bible, once again, English is limited. The real word for plans in the, in the Bible is the word thoughts. So you know that scripture, Jeremiah, many other plans it says thoughts. So, what am I saying? God gave us a brain. Amen? Gave us IQ. Gave us, you know, reason. Gave us the ability to, um, to think, to imagine. Amen? Uh, and I believe um, he does that because he wants us to be, um, what's the word here? Um, people, creatures who have will to choose what to do. Clear? Yeah? Is that clear, guys? Talk to me. So, essentially, as a reasonable human being, I would expect all of you guys to have some sort of dreams, amen, plans, you know, visions. I'm not of the school of thought that all the plans, dreams, and visions you have are just vanity, you know, self-ambitious things that you guys just want for you. I'm not of that school of thought, essentially. I believe that when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit is there to sanctify what those things are. Holy Spirit is there to direct you on maybe when you should focus on when those things are. And yes, of course, you can have things that are vain and stuff, but I think most parts, you know, God is probably one that is prompting and dropping certain things that you have desires for. So my answer is you do both. Prayer should help you clarify what next to do. Because sometimes when you lot talk about these plans and stuff, let's be honest, we're thinking about quay, 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 quay. Amen? That's why he says here that the plans belong to a person. The Bible is saying that he expects you, Leke, to plan. But he says, plan all you want, my friend. Ultimately, I'm going to direct your steps. So I'm telling you, do both, but pray. Because pray, prayer, sorry, will tell you what to do next. That make sense? That's all I'm going to say 
before we get all deep on that. Does that make sense though, guys, yeah? So all of you, by human nature, should be people who plan. And you do. This morning, you plan what you're going to wear today. If you're like me, you did it from last night. Amen? You know, we plan what to eat. We, we plan whether we're going to run for the bus or walk for the bus. You know, we do you got to laugh. This is what we do every day. God expects you to plan, but he expects you to pray. Amen? Ha, that's a word, isn't it? Hey, Shanda. I thought that was still. Hey. Amen. Any more questions? Okay. Um, so I know like most people feel comfortable using their gifts like outside of the church to make money. Um, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on people that like I don't know they're let's just say they sing or like just say that's be straightforward. <laughs> let's just say or like they're a preacher or whatever, but their main income does come from the church. What are your thoughts on that? What's your question, please? So <laughs> it's like I don't know. Is it? Is it not? Is it okay? But like, is it? Is God permitting that? If that makes sense. No, no. Ask your whole question. I don't know what my question is. Like, is it? Is it okay to make money from things that have to do with the church or like Christianity? Example. Um, like pastors, or okay. um, So basically, saying should pastors get paid? Yeah. Saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that. Like worship leaders, um, people that write Christian books, etc., all that kind of stuff, things that are for the kingdom, is it okay for them to live off that money? Just saying. Yeah, yeah, uh, my, my short and long answer is yes. Um, I'm going to do a whole teaching on, you know, should pastors get paid? Amen. I'm going to do a whole teaching on tithing. And I'm going to do a whole teaching on, um, um, on sacred and circular. Because that's what you're kind of talking about as well. In September. Amen. New money part three. Amen. But I'm going to read one scripture just to kind of answer your question. I think what you're saying is basically if you've got a gift that's maybe a bit more spiritual. Yeah. So basically if you are a prophet and you prophesy, should you get paid for prophesying? That's what you're saying, basically. Is that correct? Okay, so um, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, mm, let's read from verse 16. If any believing woman, woman, sorry, has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So here we see that the church is commanded to take care of the welfare of widows. I'll go as far in our context. If they don't have no source of income, we can put them on payroll. Hallelujah. The amens are low in the building. Obviously not our portion, but if it happens, amen. But it is, and then it says... 17, let the elders, this context here would be myself and P.S., who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox 
when it treads out the grain. And it says the laborer is deserving of his or hers wages. Hmm, I don't know if I need to say anything afterwards. The Bible says here that those elders that rule amongst you well are worthy of double honor. That word honor in the Greek is money. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Hallelujah. God bless P.S. for preaching and teaching. Why? Because the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. A laborer is deserving of his or hers wages. So the Bible makes it clear that though our work is first service unto God, it's also benefiting people who are natural, a.k.a. you and I. And because of the things that we do, especially because we labor, hallelujah, labor in preaching and teaching, the Bible says, according to our labor, we also deserve to receive a reward that is earthly now, which looks like money. Amen. See, I'm that pastor that does not scare to talk about money, guys, you know. Amen. Amen. If you work for it, you deserve to receive it. So that's a long short of it. Apostle Paul talks about it in First Corinthians 9 about the preacher's right to live off the gospel as well. But September, I'll talk on why pastors should get paid. Amen. Does that answer your question? But what I will say, though, is that you shouldn't exploit the gift on your life for profit. I'm trying not to go too far because I want to preach today. So that looks like I shouldn't use the gift of prophecy in my life to now tell Isaac, so 100 pounds and I'll prophesy to you. That's called prostituting the gift of God. So we don't use our gift for monetary gain. Does that make sense? But because we do use our gift to serve others out of the abundance of that, those of you that are receptors of that should bless those that sow that into you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, but once again, September, I will spend time in detail on that. Amen. Any more questions? Yes, go ahead. I know you're going to touch on tithes um, in September, but... yeah. Is it okay to not necessarily pay your tithes directly to church? So say, for example, you want to give in another measure, yeah. or say you wanted to like honor your pastors, could your tithes go directly to your pastors if you chose, if you wanted to? Or does okay. it have to go directly to church? Okay, so, I mean, we can get technical with this one. So I would say, um, and I'll use myself as an example. So obviously, I'm the pastor here, amen. So I don't tithe to A&T. Um, I tithe to where I came from, um, which is CLF. But even more so now, what I was doing, um, I didn't have to do that, but I can do that, if that makes sense. But what I was doing, actually specifically, because obviously as you guys know, my late pastor um, passed away. So um, getting emotional there, it's two years this week. I think, um, what I decided to do was that when I left A&T, rather than, than sowing to CLF, I was sowing my tithe directly to him. Obviously, he's passed away now, so me and Pierce have decided that we're going to sow to his wife because she's a widow. So we believe that 
that's what we can do. And I think we have that liberty just because we're leaders. There's a principle about called tithing up. You tithe um, where you came from. That makes sense, guys? For you guys that are members, partners of ANT, because you are planted here, um, the whole purpose behind tithing is for, quote unquote, in a short, long term word, the upkeep of the ministry. Amen. So the purpose behind tithing really is for you to give back into the area that you've been fed into. That makes sense, guys? So I'm not really of the school of thought of like, I'll split half my tithe to church and then to Red Cross or Oxfam or I don't know. I've, I think the Bible gives us a prescription where we should live lives that are generous, where tithing is like our basic level of giving. After that, that 10%. You can give an overflow to whatever else you give. And I think we spoke about it in first, I think maybe last week or last month, I spoke about that message about Second Corinthians 9, the church that gave beyond their need. I'm not sure if you guys remember that one. But um, so that would be my answer to that question. I, was, I would expect you guys to tie to where you're planted. And if you want to give more, give more. <laughs> but to not be too, like, Legalistic with it. If, in my opinion, the equivalent of the time of the New Testament, of the Old Testament, the New Testament, to me, is generosity. Because we tithe now, not because we believe that uh, if we don't tithe, we're going to go to hell. Amen. We tithe from faith. We tithe from a place of privilege. We tithe from a place of understanding that we are partnering with God with our finances. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. So, when the Bible talks about giving in the New Testament, it doesn't actually even mention tithe like that. It mentions being generous. Going above and beyond. So, I have friends that don't tithe 10%. They tithe 20. That's their decision because they want to live a life of generosity. So, I would encourage you above everything, yes, tithe, but be generous. And we'll talk about that more in September. Does that answer your question, Tony? Awesome. Anyone else? There's no dumb question, guys. Anything that's on your mind that we've been discussing about any money that you want clarity on, feel free to ask. Yes, sir. Um, I don't really know how to ask this question. You, you Be touched free. on it um, earlier, but also I don't know if you've touched on it in a previous kind of um, service that I wasn't here. Um, but I'm re really interested in, like, societal structures and all of this stuff, right? Okay. And so this question is around capitalism. And so obviously we live... <laughs> oh, I like so, this church, man. <laughs> so we live in, obviously, a capitalist society. Yes, sir. My thing is, how do we as Christians navigate that? Yeah. And where do we draw the line in our practice of it? I've come from places whereby I've essentially seen Christian capitalists. Yeah. And I don't know if I subscribe to that kind of yeah. school of thought. Um, but my thing is, how do we navigate that? And where do we draw the line? And yeah. how do we as Christians still be kingdom financiers? Yes. Um, but ensure that we're not obviously exploited. Because yeah. if you're operating in a structure, then you're going to fulfill the demands of the structure. Yes, so sir. How do we navigate that? This is such a good question, man. Amen. <laughs> Can't lie, man. You don't ask some hard questions, man. <laughs> Got my brain ticking, man. <laughs> oh! Funny enough, I was in Hatton Garden on um, Wednesday, 
Um, I was at a jewelry event where they're discussing about sustainability. Um, and obviously, if you know the jewelry industry, it's a lot of exploitation when it comes to the mining of gold and silver and whatnot. And obviously, the reality is, whether you like it or not, guys, when you start hitting into the millions and billions along the way, there are some discrepancies in how you get there. You know, we've got people that believe, you know, billionaires shouldn't exist because for you to have that much money along the line, somebody else is suffering for your gain. You know, we won't go into that right now. We'll, we'll do a midweek session and go into detail and we can debate on socialism and capitalism, amen. But I think if I bring it to us as kingdom people, I think it goes back to my teaching on the spirit of mammon and, and us being people who are led by God with how we operate our finances. So these people that I was at with Hutton Garden, they were people who have committed themselves to sustainability in their business. So there's certain things that they practice and won't practice is based on their goal to make sure that everybody that produces the jewelry that they sell lives good. So I think as Christians, you know, um, you know the Bible makes it clear like we should be people who have the poor in mind at the forefront. The Bible makes it clear that he's a God of justice. But is it clear that those who are privileged amongst us should receive of our privilege if we have the money to serve them? So I think in anything we do when it comes to our business, there should not be an ounce, a hint of us adding to the impoverishedness of other people. And that would just be my answer, long and short, because we'll go into a de debate of what that looks like. But that's not the time for that today. Amen. Does that answer your question, though? Because reality is, the, uh, uh, the reality is that capitalism that you're talking about is governed by mammon. Uh, and the reality is this, it's greed that is driving people to capitalize of opportunity at the expense of others. So as believers, that's not your equation. So that looks like some of us may are entrepreneurs say, certain deals we're gonna have to investigate. And whether it aligns with your values as a kinder person, you say yes or you say no. And that's it. And I think we should be people who are pushing the message of being sustainable with how we get our finances. And you know, it's hard. The guys said on Wednesday, it's really hard because even in the industry, you can never really know the full details from point A to B of how things go. Like, unfortunately, that's the world we live in right now. But the goal is to, he said, the goal is that if we can all pursue it and it's on our minds to be about it, that's the first step in the right direction. I'm going to start from there. So, as believers, I think we should start from there too. Is that, is that, is that, is that better? That was it. Hey! Awesome. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Um, I guess on that, I have a question, yeah. um, which again, I'm formulating as I'm saying it. Amen. Cool. But it's basically around we obviously know that people can be gifted, or God can give us gifts and direct us to kind of go out into the world and use them. Um, and I feel that there's a level of like, uh, for some people, there's like a level of spirituality that they get to where there is an encouragement to come out of the world and to move in within the body of Christ um, and not in the world, maybe in their capital, capitalist sphere in their, in their job. But I guess my question is, um, is... Basically, what are your thoughts on that, on, on, on somebody being spirit-filled, being yeah. very mature in the word of God and yeah. in, in their revelation of who God is, yeah. and not using those gifts directly in the body of Christ? 
What, what are your views on Do you have an example that you can break it down for me more? An example could be somebody who um, yeah. God has called them to be excellent in their GCSEs and their A-levels and their university degree, and then they went on to become uh, the investment banker in the United Kingdom. Okay. They work in the United Kingdom in, in with, with billions, but they are spirit-filled, and God has called them there. God actually covers them in their, in yeah. their industry, but they do not work in the church. They come to church, yeah. and they go home. So, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> what's your What are your views like? Can you expect? Can you expound on that? Because I feel that. Yeah. Well, yeah, what, I, do, what do you think? What, what do, do you I feel? think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an issue with that, but I want to. I want to see what your issue is. If I can speak to your issue, what issue you have with it. So I don't have an issue, and I believe that we. Uh, I believe that sometimes we can become religious in our interpretation of people's maturity. Okay. And we can feel that if somebody is that mature and they're doing that well, yeah. that they need to, basically, they need oh, to okay. become a teacher or a oh. preacher or a prophet or an evangelist. I mean, but that does... In that regard. So do, do, do all those things have to be in the context of her? That's what I'm asking. What no. do you think? Daniel was the president, prime minister. He was the head of astrologers, magicians, voodoo people, all their mad people. <laughs> in... Babylon. Second in command to King Nebuchadnezzar, whatever his name is. King that. And the, the Bible calls Daniel Tosan a prophet. So this is why at ANT, I made sure that I put in our vision kingdom, not church, kingdom created family. Why? I don't want you to think that per, your purpose and calling is only this. That's a church institutional mindset that makes you feel like if you're not doing what I'm doing, it's not really spiritual. And it's a lie. The gifts are given for common good. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6. The church is purpose to manifest the wisdom of God to the world. Ephesians 3 verse 10. The church has been given a great commission. Go into not the church, into all of the what? The world. So this is filling station. This is training. This is community. We leave her and we live kingdom Monday to Saturday. So I don't have an issue. If anything, those people that are out there are probably doing much better than us not here because, anyways, that's what I'm ranting now. But <laughs> does that answer your question? Yeah. So guys, there's no sacred and circular divide here when it comes to your calling, when it comes to your, especially with A&T people, a lot of you guys are not necessarily called to what I'm doing here right now. A lot of you guys are called to whatever dark place you're in right now, and God wants you to shine your light. God told me that we are raising a company of Daniels that will shine in Babylon. So that's what you guys are. Your pulpit is, J is KPMG. That's your pulpit. That's your harvest. Amen? To oh, you have a question? Okay. <laughs> um, can somebody give me my water in the bag, please? Thank you. Um, I it's, think it's, in, it's next to PS. I think you touched on it a little bit, but with Tony as well, just wanting clarity. Yes, sir. With, with um, the person going, like, obviously being in their industry, thriving, 
being spirit-filled, going to church and coming back, does that mean that they're still not actively, not does it mean, but is that example of that person not actively trying to create disciples in that space? Because are they like, are they thriving in their kingdom assignment with their money and, you know, all their gifts of okay. the spirit? Yeah. But are they also then preaching the word of God in the way that is, you know, yeah. natural to them? Yeah. Or God is calling them to. So, because when I heard that question, I yeah. agree with what everything was said, but I think that nuance of the harvest is ripe. Yeah. Um, but the laborers are few. Yeah. And like, what does that then mean for discipleship still? How does discipleship look like yeah. in the world where we're thriving in our fruits? Okay. What does that look like? So yeah, good question. So your discipleship, guys, is not evident at just being being excellent at what you do. Being excellent at what you do should be a bait for people to come to see why. You are excellent at what you do. Bible says, shine your light. That those who see your light may see your good deeds. And they will not praise you, but praise your father who is in heaven. Discipleship has only one metric of fruit. Is that you're making disciples. That's it. So, even if your question... I'm not even a, a believer of those who say they live at a purpose and all they do is make money. Maybe they sow one, two, ten percent here and there. But I ain't doing nothing in regards to advancing the gospel of the kingdom to those who they're serving. I think it's a very vain opportunity to be put in that place and you think you're only there to cut a deal and not speak to their soul. So if he's really spirit-filled, like you said he was in the question, 